Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, indeed. Funny sort of thing to say to each other, though, when you think about it, isn't it? Merry Christmas. Uh, We don't tend to say Merry Birthday or Merry New Year. So how how come Merry Christmas? What's the deal with that? I did a bit of research. It seems that Merry Christmas, saying that to each other, really only caught on about 150 years ago when the very first Christmas card came out. Before then, you see, the word Merry had a slightly different meaning to it. Back then, it simply meant to be pleasant, to be nice. To be Merry was to be likeable. It was quite a mild word. It didn't have any of the connotations that it does nowadays of sort of being lively and joyful and jovial and mildly intoxicated but you see back then the very first Christmas card ever came out and printed on it were the words Merry Christmas Happy New Year to you and in the same year Charles Dickens included that saying in his famous story A Christmas Carol and the rest is history saying Merry Christmas to one another like we've been doing this morning is now very much part and parcel of today And like a lot of things to do with our Christmases, we owe it all to someone simply wanting to tell us something. But friends, I say all this this morning because I I actually do want to wish you a Merry Christmas. But perhaps not the sort that you're thinking of. I want to wish you a Merry M-A-R-Y Christmas. In other words, I'd love you to have a Christmas like Mary would have had. Mind you, it's not the particular Mary you're probably thinking of either because I've got in mind a different Mary to the one in all the nativity scenes. I've got in mind a different Mary to Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm thinking of another Mary who was a friend of the grown-up Jesus and to whom Jesus once paid a visit. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas because when Jesus did visit this particular Mary, the way she treated him it reflects the way that you and I should be treating Jesus in all of our life and especially today. Let me explain briefly briefly by firstly reading to you exactly what happened when Jesus visited Mary's place. It's recorded in Luke's Gospel like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, friends, just pause here and and picture the scene. Jesus is having dinner at the home of two sisters named Martha and Mary, and I reckon for them it was no small thing. At this stage of his life, Jesus has been attracting a lot of attention. He has been walking around healing sick people by simply saying the word. Jesus is walking around casting out demons and evil spirits just by saying the word. Jesus has been calming storms just by saying the word. The man has been walking on water. And hundreds, if not thousands of people, are now flocking to Jesus. They are flocking to hear the things that he has to say. And that is the bloke who's calling in for dinner. I remember once Sue and I, uh, quite mistakenly, as it did, invited the head chef of the Sydney Centrepoint Tower restaurant back for dinner. He was a lovely bloke, but I'll tell you what, getting ready for that meal was so intimidating. Imagine having a bloke back for dinner who has miraculously fed 5,000 people 
with just a few fish and loaves of bread. How on earth are you ever going to impress him with a meal? Martha's feeling the pressure. The passage tells us that she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In other words, she's bustling around the house, she's putting the meal on, setting the table, giving everything a quick dust. She's got a lot on her mind. And even though it sounds like she'd prefer to be in the lounge room sitting with Jesus, there's work to be done. Someone's got to get dinner ready. Meanwhile, Mary, her sister, she doesn't seem to be much help. Very uncharacteristically for women at the time, Mary's sitting in the lounge room doing nothing except listening to Jesus. Well, eventually this all gets a bit too much for poor old Martha and indeed she gets so agitated that she interrupts Jesus and pretty much has a bit of a go at him. She came to him, that is Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You can almost feel the frustration in the voice, can't you? Mind you, isn't it interesting that she's dragging Jesus into this little domestic dispute? I'd be thinking that if it was my family, what would be more likely is you'd just sort of stand at the door and say something like, uh, uh, Mary, could I possibly see you in the kitchen for a moment in private? Perhaps through clenched teeth. But Martha interrupts Jesus and is having a bit of a go at him. Perhaps it's a reflection that she's most disappointed by the fact that He doesn't seem to be noticing all the trouble that she's going to for him. She's exasperated that Jesus is apparently oblivious to all her hard work. She's trying to make a good impression on him and he just doesn't seem to get it. Don't you care? Well, most of us can probably feel some sympathy for Martha. I wonder how Jesus will respond. Martha, Martha, Mary, uh, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be taken away and will not be taken away from her. Friends, that loving, gentle rebuke, I reckon, would have caught Martha way off guard. And it's important for us to see what Jesus is and is not saying here. Because he is not saying that there is never a place for being busy. He's not saying there's never a place for going to a lot of trouble for other people. He would regularly urge his followers to serve each other tirelessly. But what Jesus perceives here with Martha is that all these things that Martha is supposedly doing for Jesus, they're actually taking her away from Jesus. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. See, Martha's got the women's weekly Christmas cookbook open in the kitchen table and she's going for many things. She's going for the roast turkey with the gingerbread stuffing and allspice gravy. She's going for the green bean and lemon casserole and Jesus can see that it's just distracting her from listening to him and it's not worth it. Only one thing is needed, he says. Just open a tin of baked beans and have it on toast. You're better off having baked beans on toast and getting to listen to Jesus than having the flash meal and not getting to listen to Jesus. It's like the workaholic father or mother who is forever at work, putting in the long hours, perhaps taking an extra job part-time to get a bit of extra money. And more often than not, when you ask them why they're doing all of this, they say they're doing it for the family doing it to provide for the family, doing it to make life comfortable for the family, doing, doing it to give the family everything they need. And yet more often than not, the end result is that the family is the ones that suffer. 
because the person's hardly ever at home to spend time with them. And somewhere in the whole process of doing all these things, they they lose sight of why they're doing them in the first place. And that's Martha. Doing all this stuff but losing sight of why. And so the very person she's wanting to serve, she ends up being distracted away from. Unlike Mary, whom Jesus says has chosen what is better. Unlike Mary who we're told sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said. And man, why would you not listen to what he said? Remember what the angels sang about Jesus on that first Christmas morning? We heard it read earlier. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Well, friends, that saviour, that Christ the Lord, he is now a man and he is sitting in Martha and Mary's lounge room. The one who has come to show us exactly what God is like. The one who has come to allow us to know God intimately. The one who has come to enable us to have confidence and assurance of when we face God at the end of this life. He is now a man and he is sitting in Martha and Mary's lounge room. Because you see, we don't deserve to have confidence and assurance of facing God at the end of our life. We're all guilty of letting him down, of ignoring him and dishonouring him in the way that we live and we deserve to be punished. But as Ralph discovered earlier, the one who has come to rescue his people, the one who has come to take our place on the cross and to accept God's anger on himself instead of us having to bear it ourselves, that man is now sitting in Mary and Martha's lounge room. He's on his way to the cross. But just for the moment... He's sitting in Mary and Martha's lounge room talking to whoever will listen to him, talking about God, talking about eternal life, talking about assurance and forgiveness. And Martha's banging around in the kitchen, missing it. Mary is sitting there hanging off every word, wide-eyed, captivated, enthralled, engrossed. She cannot drag herself away from him lest she miss something he says. For so important is what he says. Friends, do you think you might be able to start to see why I'd love you to have a Merry Christmas? M-A-R-Y. I'd love you to have a Christmas where you two are so engrossed and captivated by Jesus that the other stuff, the food, the preparations, the decorations, the family, I'd hate them to distract you from what is better. Because in all the Christmas rush, sometimes it's easy to make a lot of noise about Christmas but never actually stop to listen to him. Do you think you might be falling into that trap this Christmas? of not listening to Jesus? Could it be a trap you've fallen into all year of just being so busy, perhaps even busy here at DPC, but you've actually been ended up distracted from paying attention to Jesus? I mean, if Jesus was going to come back to your place today, it's a silly thought I know, but imagine Jesus was here. He's there sitting next to you. You've bumped into him at our Christmas meeting. And what is more, Jesus would love to come back to your place today for Christmas dinner. How would that make you feel? 
Would you suddenly be filled with worries and concerns like Martha? Thinking about how messy the house was when you left a few moments ago? Thinking about whether there's enough food or not in the cupboard to fit another person in? Would your mind flash back to the state of the bathroom when you left? Would you be embarrassed about the sort of number of presents around the tree? Or would none of those things even cross your mind? Because the prospect of having Jesus at your place would be just so thrilling. Because if Jesus was sitting in your lounge room at your place, the sort of things that he'd be saying would be, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. I come to give you life and give you life to the full. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. No wonder Mary couldn't tear herself away from hearing Jesus. Because when Jesus speaks, truth and light and joy and wisdom and salvation and comfort and assurance follow. No wonder Mary couldn't tear herself away. And friends, this Christmas, don't let anything tear you away either. This Christmas, have a merry little Christmas. I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for the rescue mission that Jesus came to achieve for us. Thank you that he went to a cross to take a punishment we deserve so that we might have confidence beyond this life. Father, thank you that your son is the light of the world and that when we follow him we will never walk in darkness. Thank you that he's the resurrection and the life. And thank you that in his words are life and light and salvation and wisdom. Father, this day in all the great things we get to enjoy, help us to consider and enjoy Jesus most for all that he is and all that he has done for us. Amen.